Like, there's regression to the mean. He's like a pendulum. He's swung to the complete opposite <laughs> side. <laughs> We had heard from people who had seen him play. Having seen him play, he's terrible. You can't see me shaking my head, but I am shaking my head. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 97. We're bottling this week up so we can sell it to you later. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I'm joined, as per usual, by Josh Housem. Joshua, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about I, you? I, I am doing pretty well as well, because uh, despite a very dry, as in no baseball, weekend, uh, it's kind of worked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Blue Jays just keep on chugging along, four wins in a row. Yeah, I guess we'll take that. Yeah, well, we have to. You know, maybe maybe next week will be better. Uh, we should uh, talk about what we're going to talk about, as usual. We're going to talk about what where we were in 2017 versus 2018, a little then and now, uh, with some tweets from good friends of ours. Uh, then we have the weird weather and roof issues to talk about. And then it's going to be Luke Melee and then... Donaldson going on the DL, but then right back to the good news with, uh, let's say, Salarte, Giftengope, Randall Grichuk, Tim Meza. How did I get Teoscar Hernandez not on the list? He's in there. I swear he's in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to forget anybody uh, because there's a lot of good things to talk about. Okay, so here we are. Not even done April, and the Blue Jays have as many wins as they had like how does this work out they're, they're, how far ahead of 2017 are we in the win department <laughs> well last year it took the jays until may 8th their 32nd game to get 12 wins and that happened in the 17th game this year so really far <laughs> uh yeah so per gregor chisholm from mlb.com uh that sweep was the first sweep since July 24th to 27th of 2017. No, no, no. It, last year they picked up their first sweep in the end of July. Oh, <laughs> I don't think they had one after that, did they? Uh, probably not. No, it says since July 24th, 2017. Oh, you're right. My bad. Darn it. That's okay. <laughs> it's still, it, it was still, still bad. Yeah. Jays haven't lost a series. They tied the, new, the opening series where we thought that New York was going to stomp all over them after the first game and uh yeah they're 12 and 5 yeah and uh from james and to the jays passed 100 runs with uh, the grand slam by curtis granderson in the last inning of, or the eighth inning of today's game it took them 27 games to get to 100 <laughs> runs last year 10 games worth of run like i i was always looking last year at the peripherals you know the the 2015 versus 2017 peripherals were always bad 2015 was the season where hey jay scored a lot of runs didn't get a lot scored against them but somehow couldn't pull out wins and then 2016 it was like the jays didn't score a whole lot of extra runs but eh, they managed to get the wins anyway because pitching was pretty tight everything worked out 2017 you looked at it and it was like they're, they're not scoring runs and they're allowing runs there's no there's no secret formula to this team turning it around other than being better 
pretty much. <laughs> I mean, obviously there was a health aspect to that as well, but last year was just, I mean, even there was a lot of luck issue too. Like their ability to cash in runners with, like, with doubles was, I think it was same guy, James and T.O. was tracking it. And it was forever between RBI doubles with a runner on first base. Oh, it was like 18 times in a row or 19 times in a row where there was a runner on second and, and no one doubled him home. And I mean, nobody can predict stuff like that happening. Uh, no. This, this year seems to be precisely the opposite. It seems like every time they need a guy to get on base in the last two weeks, there's a guy on base. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially late in games. You had the slash lines earlier today for yeah, starters I've versus got relievers. So just for the record, the league averages about 40 points worse of OPS <laughs> against relievers, and that's including the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays OPS against relievers is 877. Wow. And their weighted on base average, WOBA, against starters is 316. It's 379. <laughs> against relievers it's yeah it's insane i like it but it's really crazy because like you said the league is putting its better pictures pitchers in that bullpen and, and not having them face suboptimal situations right you're you're having the lefty left up matchup you want if you're a guy putting in relievers Doesn't yeah and uh I, I actually think that there might be a little bit of a reason to this and also why their starter numbers went up again today against ian kennedy the Jays hitters mash fastballs. Mm. And, and this has been the case going back to 2015. They just really hit fastballs well. And relievers tend to come out throwing just smoke. Yeah, they have these good breaking balls, but they have big fastballs that they rely on. And Ian Kennedy is a fastball-heavy pitcher, and they crushed him. So I think that there might be some truth to that. I'm going to be exploring this in a piece in the next day or so. But it makes me think that there's actually a chance that this could be something that continues not to this degree, because you know, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that their ability to hit relievers continues throughout the season. Well, I, I would buy that because watching them against Danny Duffy, a guy who features a pretty good changeup, they looked bad. Like, every yeah. time he pulled that out of his back pocket, it was like, uh, guys, I think you're still swinging at the fastball. And someone, uh, you know, a week ago, it was a slider. And it was like... Uh, Renato Lopez yeah, for the White Sox. You can't even get... No, you... Yeah, okay, just go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but again, a lot of pitchers will go back to that fastball when they're presented with a situation where they, they need to get um, get back into the count. And, and the Blue Jays have been very good as a team getting into good counts. Mm-hmm. And that was something they did well last year, too, but just couldn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, they couldn't cash on them. Fun, yeah. fun with offense stats. So last year, I think we did this a few times. Like, how many, how many players did the Jays have with an OPS over 800? And it was like one. <laughs> wow, if you counted Marcus Stroman, it was usually two. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the number is right now? Minimum is... plate appearances of 25. Oh. Um... Actually, we'll call it 20. Sorry, 20. The uh, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's early. But it's, it's, wonderful. it's very early. I mean, these stats are very silly. But they have eight players with an OPS over 800. And they have five players with an OPS over 950. Good gracious. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, now the the other, the, the grain of salt one must take this with is the Blue Jays have faced some bad teams so far. Um, not that I'm complaining. You have to beat the bad teams if you're a good team. But certainly, the Jays have not been truly tested, as it were. No. But it's good that you mentioned that, though, because last year, a lot of those bad teams are beating the Blue Jays. Yep. And it's not like the Jays are just beating these teams. The Jays are crushing these teams. Yeah, like it's it's like when uh, when the hole forms in the uh, the levee and then everything comes through. That seems to be the feeling, especially again, like we said, against relievers. So, hey, we're all in a good mood. Wonder why. <laughs> we winning, sure are. winning is fun. Um, things that may, maybe weren't putting me in the best of a mood over the weekend was I didn't have a lot to do on the weekend. And certainly watching baseball became impossible. Uh Saturday morning, basically, we knew we weren't going to watch any more baseball. Yeah, that, that sucked. I mean, this is the problem with cold weather. No, like, city, games in the Northeast and the Midwest in April. <laughs> the weather sucks. And this year is, is worse than your average year for the weather. Um, yeah, so not only, you know, just rainy, cold and rainy, or snowing even in Chicago a couple of times. So, um I think, I, I, I do think there's something to the mandatory roof on all stadiums built from, from now on. That would just make sense to me. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to talk about the Facebook broadcast of this game later on in a different context. But one, <laughs> <laughs> one thing they mentioned, and I think this was Cliff Floyd who said it. It's like, uh, oh, it was some domed team. I can't remember which one. It's like, why are they playing against San Diego? It was Milwaukee. Milwaukee and San Diego. You have a dome stadium team against a team this weather is perpetually good. They should not play each other in April ever. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like you want to get these games in or not. Because the Jays are facing a doubleheader in Cleveland in between on a travel day in between two series in May now. Yeah. And uh, they had to play a random doubleheader at home, which well, is yeah, not a yeah. common occurrence. After my argument in favor of domes, apparently the uh, the ice gods of the CN Tower said, no, you can't. You cannot have nice things now. <laughs> so nobody got that's hurt. Bizarre. Yeah. No. I guess that's the best part of that is, is no one was in right field doing anything when what must have been a very pointy and heavy chunk of ice fell off the CN Tower and pierced. Like, I didn't even think the roof. I thought it was. I didn't think it was canvas. <laughs> 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 Well, this happened in uh, in BC too, at BC Place or whatever the hell it's called now, the football field. The roof got caved in by snow, but that one was canvas. <laughs> yeah, so literally a shard of ice shot through the roof and made a loud enough noise that people working in the building came out to see what had gone on uh, on the field. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. Just absolutely nuts. I, I've been in rain delays in the dome before. Mm -hmm. That happens. You know, like the rain the comes a little quickly and they have to delay it for 15 minutes or whatever while they close the roof. But a game getting canceled because of the weather, not common. My, my uncle, actually, the very first time it ever rained inside the dome because they were tardy on closing it, he was in the last row of seats to not be in the rain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And he was—he had to go buy a shirt from the Jay's shop. <laughs> He's still angry about that game. It's great. 
Uh, yeah, you don't think to pa to plan for inclement weather when you're going inside a dome. <laughs> no, nobody tells you you're in the you're in the the dome uh, seam uh, location, right? Like you're right <laughs> under that that spot <laughs> until it's way funny. too late. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that that really is since it's been since 1989 the dome's been open. So is that 30, 30 years now? It's the thirtieth year. Yeah, and nothing like that's ever happened before. Nope. <laughs> now they'll have to do some repairs to the roof, which will hopefully, you know, make it better. But it was bizarre. Indeed. So uh, basically three days in a row without baseball. That's practically an all-star break in April for inexplicable reasons. Yeah, which is not what teams want. No, uh, not for the game revenue and everything and not for the players who are all going to get, I mean, all your starting rotation gets thrown off, right? Yeah, it's uh, unlike the all-star break. They have to make up these days now. Mm-hmm. And so we saw Joe Biagini make a spot start, and he'll do that again on May 3rd for sure. Cool. Um, also, I'm not sure that you put Joe Biagini in for 100 pitches just because you can put him in for 100 pitches. I mean, it worked out in the end, but... I yeah, I, I expect against the Cleveland team, it will be a little different. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about our newfound bunch of superstars. And and you, I, I defer to you. You said Luke Melee has to go first, and I can't really argue at this point. No. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast. Like, how did they not upgrade the back, back, backup catcher position? And then saying, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, turns out they did. Um, <laughs> and then saying that he, he, as long as he was not bad, mm. then that would be acceptable with his defense. Yeah, he's been a lot better than not bad. Well, he's batting for what? For 76. 76. <laughs> with a 560 on base percentage and a 667 slugging. Uh, Russell Martin has gotten to the point where he's joking about, about not being Wally Pipped, but being Luke Melee because of his yeah. forest days off. They pinch hit for Gift and GoPay with Luke Melee today, and it worked. Yeah, he got an RBI hit. <laughs> After yesterday, he, when he came up and everyone went, oh, they're not pinch hitting for Luke Melee? And he got an RBI hit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Good on you, Luke, for making all of us like there's regression to the mean. He's like a pendulum. He's swung to the complete opposite <laughs> side. He certainly has. Um, now, but here's the thing that's interesting about what he's doing so far. Again, it's fun with early season numbers, but something that's encouraging for him, maybe not going back to the worst hitter in Blue Jays history. Do you remember what made Ryan's good? Ryan's good. Ryan Goins good for a short period of time with the Blue Jays in 2015. He refused to swing. Correct. <laughs> Luke Maley's swing percentage is down to an all-time low 43%. I think that Luke Maley's contact is better than Ryan Goins has ever been, swing or no swing. Yeah, well, his zone contact percentage is 100. <laughs> he has not swung and missed at a pitch in the strike zone this year. It's early, uh, which is good. Uh, also, uh, they keep repeating this on the broadcast, and I know you don't you mute the broadcast, the tendency. Uh, I don't know if it changed today. How many first pitches has Curtis Granderson swung at this year? No, it's still zero. That's that's epic. That's like, I'm going to be your leadoff hitter. And I found it really funny. In his second at bat, Ian Kennedy started him with a curveball. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Brett Gardner. It's a free one, guys. Take it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. But anyway, so. Melee. Walk-off hit. 
And then he stone cold ignored um, Tim Leaper at first for the high five because yeah, he was he so in the zone. But it's it's very interesting. Like if Luke Maley can be decent, it's huge. I mean, it's just massive for this team, especially right now because Russell Martin's not hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not. I mean, so, he, he really is getting Wally pipped. Yeah, but I mean, eventually Russell Martin's going to play better and Luke Maley's going to play worse, but. Last year, when Russell Martin sucked, so did the backup catchers, and the Jays lost a whole bunch of games. Yeah. So this is, this is the first in an uh, incredible list of, of very good pieces of news um, in the lineup. Now, th- the second one, and we'll get into the problem with this piece of good news when we get a question about it. So I just want to reflect on the good news. Teoscar Hernandez has been called up with Donaldson on the DL and has seized this opportunity like it's made of solid gold for him. What do you mean? He's only hitting 421 with a 450 <laughs> on base and an 842 slugging. <laughs> and his one lapse today was on defense. He airmailed the throw and allowed the Royals to tie the game, I believe, or go ahead. Well, he lobbed the throw. So, like, he got it, picked it up, and just, you know, soft throw back in his shirt, which allowed Merrifield to score. But then he went up in the next half inning and hit a two run homer. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, you made up for that. That's just I how mean, it's going for him. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing with Teoscar Hernandez, and this was sort of what we saw a bit of in September last year. When he's on, he's deadly. Oh, he's a monster. Like, the, the, that power is real. And, and, and we're not... Um, who is our uh, impressive third baseman um, with the lofty homers? I can't remember his name now. Troy Gloss? No, no. He, he was like a half season with oh, Juan Francisco yeah Juan Francisco had power because the ball went up and as it was going up <laughs> it continued to go out Teoscar Hernandez doesn't hit those kinds of home runs from what I've seen no I mean his home run today was an absolute rocket to center field but it was a line drive yeah and and most of his hits whether you know when he's making good solid contact he's just ripping the ball all over the place so that's it's a fun that makes it fun for me to watch really you're not waiting seven seconds to see if it comes down just on the warning track no and, and so this was the thing like he, he was a decent prospect with houston right coming up it's like we all they always said like he's going to be an outfielder he's going to be a right major leaguer he hits for power and speed he strikes out too much but when he's not striking out this is what you get we're going to get the strikeouts. It's going to happen. He's yep. going to have some cold stretches, but he can do serious damage. And when he's doing it like this, it's hard to imagine a better player to have in the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. He's not the guy you're thinking, well, you know, when so-and-so come back, so we got, we got to bump Tay Oscar back down. Um, which again is what we'll, we'll address in the questions. Uh, but again, like you said though, he's a Randall Grichuk, um, analog. He, when, when Teoscar Hernandez is looking bad, he looks a whole lot like the Randall Grichuk we've seen with, with some small exceptions. Right. Um, so, so we've seen both. Uh, yeah. so we made light, not light, I guess we, we made, we poo pooed the idea of, uh, Donaldson going on the DL last week. Yeah. We were wrong there. <laughs> My well, bad. <laughs> well, with all the information we had at the time, it was good. We just needed to wait, what, like six more hours or 12 more hours and find out that all of our information was garbage? Yeah, that was outdated by release. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, he's on the deal. And not coming right back. No, which is unfortunate. I mean, we don't really know the nature of his injury. They haven't said anything. 
it sounds like there's some inflammation in there potentially right now, but uh, yeah, he's not going to require the minimum stay on the DL. So that's not good news, but thankfully young Hervis Salarte is picking up the slack. Yeah. How's, how's young Hervis hitting these days? He seems to be doing okay. Yeah. He's one of those other guys. That's a nine eighty plus OPS. <laughs> um, again, he, he remains a guy who I, I watched him when he was with New York uh for a little while and I, I was always impressed he seemed to be you know a solid player and everything i don't remember him having command of the strike zone uh he wasn't as bad at that with san diego he was he did not take pitches very well with the yankees as i recall either he's done some fantastic things and and batting in the cleanup role mostly which has been thought of, you know you think it's all well, you're gonna be a free swinger there because he's a quote rbi guy if he, you know if he's a, tra- a traditionalist at all but when they've pitched around him he's been very very happy to take the walk which i've been wonderfully surprised at yeah actually it turns out i had it backwards he was better at the yankees when they were with the padres but the other thing too is he's again small sample size numbers but in the fly balls, he's hitting the ball with in the air much more often in his short stay with the Blue Jays than he did at any other point in his career. And you see him swing. He's taking massive hacks. You do wonder if it's part of the Blue Jays' philosophy to tell guys, okay, this is, you know, if you're going to make an adjustment, if you feel like making an adjustment, we're not going to complain if you do this. Yeah, and I also wonder if part of it is the park playing into things. <laughs> yeah, the Rogers Center is not as much of a hitter's park as people think it is, but San Diego is not a hitter's park. No. And it, I think hitters are tempted by the layout in, in Rogers Center, regardless of their actual results. I think the symmetrical play, you know, the symmetry mm-hmm. of the dome, I think the multiple decks to hit balls into, like if you're, you know, if you're mentally into hitting for power, it looks like a fun place to hit for power. Yeah, it does. And he's got now he's got four home runs. And I mean, if, if again, early season, he's going to come back a little bit. But the talent is there. This isn't a, you know, a Luke Maley situation, which is like he's just everything he hits is falling for a hit right now. He's hitting the ball hard. So I don't want to take that away from him. But Solarte, he's hitting for power. He's take he's going deep into counts. He's got more walks than strikeouts. And nobody That's, does that. In right. I mean, game. that. but those are skills that are real, right? Yep. Yeah, you can't accidentally take a walk. Ask Kevin Pillar. <laughs> no, Kevin Pillar is actively choosing not to take walks. <laughs> he might be able to accidentally take walks, but he just doesn't want to do that. Right. Uh, and, but the, the other thing, too, the defensive side of things, he, he made two fantastic plays in today's game, in the same inning, actually, uh, when he was playing second base. That's his natural spot. He doesn't look like a second baseman with the body he's got. He's a pretty wide-shouldered guy. But... So he's that's best not, that's not where I've noticed his width, but okay, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you can speak to that if you really want to. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a natural second baseman. He can play third and he can play short if he really has to, but that's where he's best. And he showed it with two fantastic plays going both directions. So once, you know, when Donaldson gets back, when he starts feeling back in for Travis again, you can actually see some better defense show up. And I think the next thing I have on the list here is Gift and Gope, and I think that makes very obvious what Gift and Gope's role on this team is probably going to be when Donaldson gets back, which is he doesn't have one. Yeah, he's terrible. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, he's well, awful. We've had no evidence that he's anything but terrible. Yeah, I mean, so like 
he's played in Pittsburgh, right? In their minor league system before this. So all we were really scouting was the stat line and just what we had heard from people who had seen him play. Having seen him play, he's terrible. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Well, in he had three at-bats in the doubleheader, and he struck out on nine pitches. Sounds in his first terrible. at bat in the game today, he struck out on four pitches. So it was actually an improvement. It, it, yeah, mathematically, I guess. <laughs> and just a sample, an example of how poor hitter he is. In the fifth inning of a game, the Blue Jays pinch hit it for him with Luke Maley to play Russell Martin in the infield on his day off. Mm-hmm. So the Blue Jays know. They know. I mean, you can't not know. He's He's been just objectively bad. And the problem is, with some of these other infielders playing well, you know, the Atlantis Diaz is, you know, he's his batting average and on base percentage are low, but he's slugging 520 and playing good defense at short. And Travis is starting to hit a little better. There's just no use for a defensive expert shortstop if he's just an automatic out of the plate. He has one hit. Yeah, and that's why they got rid of their two other potential defensive expert ish shortstops in the offseason. So we yeah, can do better. I mean, now obviously the plan was never to have Gift and Gope and his 161 OPS on the roster. Right? Yeah. Tulowitzki was supposed to start the season with Diaz as the backup and Solarte you know, rolling in and out with Devin Travis. And yep. then that didn't happen. It, but I mean, he struck out in 63% of his at bats. Yeah, I think you made your point when you said he was horrible. So we'll we'll leave it there. Yeah. Um, that's enough, true. But just they need to replace him, which I, I think is going to happen as soon as another roster move happens, um, because mm-hmm. Kendrick Morales is going to feel better at some point too. Um, but we will move to a player who's actually on the roster because we forgot about him last week, and I don't. I, I think that was unfair because he's one of your favorite people to talk about. It's Tim Mesa. <laughs> he pitched today. Which probably surprised him as much as it surprised the rest of us. Yeah. He, he last pitched in spring training because Buffalo had two games that were snowed out to start the season. Right. And the interesting thing about this, it's not like a starter who was supposed to be in Buffalo and then got called up and then knew his turn was coming and throw side sessions. Tim Mays is a reliever. You can't throw side sessions as much because you might have to pitch that day. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't know when you'll be on the wrong end of the 15-5 blowout or the right end he pitched today but mm. <laughs> you know he he was going to get into a couple of games it looked like and then the game situation changed it's like no 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 we're gonna go to our good relievers and then two rainouts and a piece of ice through the roof just to add insult to injury and it's very funny because i think morales is coming back in the next game or so <laughs> so he's not gonna even it's like at least he got into one maybe they'll drop gift and gope who knows uh so speaking of those good relievers that you just mentioned there are four who have been um with one little blip in the kc series who have been pretty much everything you could possibly ask for and that is of course the trio of clipper tapera and osuna who are more or less covering the seventh eighth and ninth and then of course danny barnes who continues to be better than he you would think he he would be by what he throws yeah, Danny Barnes has 13 strikeouts and nine and two thirds, giving up one run. Uh, I mean, so going into the season, the Jays had a, a bullpen that you could say had some upside and some talent, but it was full of question marks, really. 
and the guys that we were hoping would be really good. I mean, someone O has been his numbers are actually okay, but he hasn't looked very good. He's not throwing hard enough to look good. No, but the the new guys that have come in, Clippard, Barnes, Axford has actually been quite solid, though he's kind of in a mop up role. You know, they're really nicely bridging the gap to Roberto Osuna, which makes some of these games a lot easier to handle. It does. It does. Because last year, one of the problems, in my view, was when the, when the Blue Jays did get a slim lead, it would almost always get eroded enough that you needed Roberto Osuna for at least three outs, sometimes four or five. And that's not any way you want to run a bullpen. And that's how Osuna ended up with one of the highest workloads. I think it was actually the highest workload ever for a pitcher his age. Yeah. So the fact that we can back off on that, and I we've seen, what, one four-out save from Osuna? Yeah, he's he's pitched eight and a third innings over eight games. And he hasn't given up a run, hasn't given up a walk. He, when Osuna is fresh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, regardless of what, what the radar gun says, like we like we said last week, the, the control and the command are so good that um, lots of good things are going to happen when he gets on the mound and he's, he's able to be fresh and... Uh, you know, bring his A game. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what happens with him, you know, as long as he's healthy. But one of the nice things about this group of relievers that we're talking about, they all limit walks. Axford is the exception there, but again, he's kind of used as a long reliever mop-up guy. But by, you know, they're all a little bit homer-prone, but by not putting runners on, it makes their job so much easier. And that wasn't exactly the case as much last year. It's it's been nice. Like everything else that has happened this season, uh it's been nice. Um what can I say? I'm I'm happy that these guys who, you know, when a guy comes back off of a good year and you you don't know much about him, especially a reliever, you're always worried that something's not going to be there, right? That it was a fluke or or chance because that does happen all the time with relievers in in these small short outings. Yep. Okay, last note is not a current blue jay former Blue Jay, it's Jose Bautista, Atlanta Brave minor league signee. Thoughts? <laughs> I don't think he's going to be in the minors for that long. I honestly think that the minor league deal aspect of this is so he has time to get his own version of spring training. And then when he's ready, he's going to be the third baseman or backup third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. I I wouldn't disagree with you. I don't know enough about... I know their situation's bad enough that it was mentioned on the broadcast on the radio today that the Braves are the only team without a home run from their third baseman so far this year, um, for what that's worth. I think yeah. this is, is... It's Atlanta, not because of that reason, though. It, it's purely Alex Anthopoulos. I don't think there's oh, yeah. any, uh, any other explanation for this other than the guy who took a flyer on Jose Bautista seven years ago is doing exactly that again. Eight years ago. And, and Anthopolis is the guy that reaped all the benefits of that contract, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's almost like a thank you. Like, here you go. Here's, here's another chance to reestablish your value. The Braves aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, and it also could be beneficial to the Braves because... If he does come back, I mean, last year he was just so bad that it was just, it was hard to explain because even his not so great 2016 was still a very solid player. 
Yeah, there's the decline in the fall off the cliff. And it was clear last year he fell off the cliff for whatever reason. And and <coughs> um, sh- does he deserve a chance to prove that it it was, you know, not real? That, that the real truth is that he just declined a bit, I guess. But nobody wants to give a roster slot, generally speaking, to that without some other, you know, nostalgia factor or something playing into it, right? Right. But what I was going to say about that, though, I say the Braves aren't going anywhere. They actually... They have some talent and they could be in the wildcard mix. So if Bautista helps them, their third base situation isn't good, as we talked about, then it's great for them. If he helps, if he plays well and they don't play well, they have an asset to trade at the deadline. There's no real actual downside for the Braves here. So it's fun. It's good. And it it makes the June 19th game in Toronto a lot more interesting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they asked Aaron Sanchez if it would be uh, interesting. And he absolutely thought so as well to face Jose Bautista um, one more time or one time in his career. (laughs) <laughs> all right that is for a game that a week there was only four games man did we have a lot to say um we're gonna yeah. come back with your questions because uh you had some things to ask and i think it's only fair that you get your say we'll be right back after this and we are back as i promised we would be and because we are back we are ready for your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Mm, all right. We have a question back from Skeeter at Spezbaby, April 13th. Kind of a podcast question. He asked, uh, what was up with Greg Shatner impression at the beginning of the question segment? Um, that's because I'm a professional operating my computer and sometimes I press buttons and I don't know how long it's going to be before they do something. And, and then I gave up <laughs> and then it did the thing. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to emote or anything. I, uh, yeah, I, I need a better computer. I think is what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm working on that though. This one's only seven years old, Josh. Yeah, not bad. All right, ask me a baseball question. All right, we'll get these ones out of the way first because they're the, the ones that we avoided in the first segment. And people are dying to know. Yeah, so from Jordan Sheldon at Jordan Sheldon 3, which players have options and can real, realistically be sent down to keep to Oscar hands with a big club? And combined with, com- blind, combined with that <laughs> from Luke at Split Letters, is there actually a place for Morales on this roster? Because I'm kind of struggling to see it at the moment personally. And did you get? And then from Matt Sweeby, it says, "Who goes down when Morales comes back?" And Donaldson, and lastly, Tulo. So we'll get to that one at the end. We'll talk about the Morales deal first, because he's coming back imminently. Right. So um, we alluded to this earlier. You think Tim Mesa, extra reliever, who hasn't pitched at all, is the obvious choice for first man down when Kendris Morales comes back? I do, but I also wonder if it might still be Teoscar Hernandez, which sounds crazy. (laughs) <laughs> because Tosk Hernandez has been their best hitter. Yeah. In, in absence but, of Josh Donaldson, he absolutely has been. Right. And Josh Donaldson wasn't their best hitter because he wasn't hitting that well. Here's the problem. You asked about the options. Randall Grichuk, the guy that would be the natural fit, doesn't have any. You're not sending down Steve Pierce or Curtis Granderson. They're on contracts and they're playing really well. Curtis Kevin Pillar, not going anywhere. Kendrick Morales is coming back with his contract. He's not going anywhere. 
Yeah, I and, and I mean, in a, in the cruelest world, you might again if Kevin Pillar wasn't being decent. This is the point at which I would be advocating for cutting Kevin Pillar, moving Randall Gritchick into center, and letting Teoscar Hernandez play in right, and taking your chances with the depth. But in order to preserve that depth, because there would be another injury somewhere, somehow, sometime, I agree with you. Yeah, I know they still have Anthony Alford and Pompey are both healthy again and playing, so that helps with some of that minor league depth. But Kevin Pillar is hitting three thirty-eight. Yeah, like I said, I'm. You can't. Yeah, you <laughs> can't. You can't DFA, cut that. A DFA a guy who's hitting three forty. No, and the problem. So you could. And I think they might do this, at least for the very short term until whenever, until they have an idea when Donaldson will be back. They might send Mesa down and roll with some grouping that includes Hernandez, Grichuk, Pilar probably will get a day off or two in there, Pierce, Granderson, and Morales, all filtering in time here and out. Maybe Smoke gets a day off here and there just to try to get some of these bats in because they don't want to send Hernandez down. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could tell John Gibbons doesn't want to either because he's batting him second. Yeah. But at the same time, the roster just sort of demands it. You don't, there's no point in having Kenneth Morales on your bench. He no. doesn't have the versatility to be a bench player. I mean, yeah, I guess he could pinch hit for a gift and go pay every now and then since you can't pinch hit for Luke Maley anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a problem. And it kind of underscores the problem of the contract that has been in play ever since halfway through last season when we saw what everybody else who was as good as Morales was getting, one-year deals. The three-year deal became an issue because it clogs up a roster spot, and that's what it's going to be doing again. And they're not, unless you're going to play him, you should cut him, but they're not going to do that. So I think Teoscar Hernandez will probably be going down soon. Um, and then, of course, the question then comes, when Donaldson comes back, I, I think that's the point where uh, if Teoscar Hernandez isn't down, obviously that's when he has to go down. And then Gifton Gope is is the other guy who, you know, once you have a, a regular everyday third baseman, that's when you can dump your bench player who doesn't hit. Right. If Donaldson is healthy, you don't need Gifton Gope. Right now they do because they're still giving Travis time off. Yeah. And then, but once uh, he's back, he's gone. And then Matt's question at the very end. And lastly, Tulo, I think... Uh, I would be actually at this point kind of surprised to see Troy Tulowitzki in 2018. I'm not there at all. Believing that he had a very routine surgery to remove bone spurs. This isn't like, you know, he's coming back from a massive injury. He had their bone spurs. <laughs> There's a very specific timeline of six to eight weeks. Yeah, this is Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> but Troy Tulowitzki comes back from injury, though. I mean, that, this is what he does. And right, he gets injured all the time, and then he comes back faster than you expect. And then hangs around until his next injury three weeks later. Sure, but he's going to be back. He's going to play, and when he does, the Major League roster issue probably will sort itself out. I mean, yeah. there's room for all of them. If Teoscar Hernandez is back in the minors at that point, the issue will be the 40-man roster, but that's so far down the road that it's not, not a problem, really. All right, uh, next question is from Josh at Sergio Dip with three Ps. Who's been your favorite surprise so far and who's been your favorite new J? Do you want to go first? Okay. My my favorite surprise has been Luke Melee because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting blood from a stone. It's just amazing when it happens. 
Um, my favorite new J. It really is a toss-up between uh, Solarte and Diaz. Because, I mean, Solarte is just a ton of fun. Uh, but the fact that Diaz has pop out of nowhere, and I'm not counting Teoscar Hernandez because he's not new. Um, yeah, the fact that Diaz has pop that just sort of came out of nowhere is, is just super cool. I'm, it, it's hard for me to say which is, which is my favorite. I, I think I'm going to go with Solarte, though. Yeah, I'm not changing from your two picks. I'm like like you. I'm very happy with Diaz, and the the hitting has been up and down, which will happen for him. But he's been very good. But Solarte is just so much fun to watch. Absolutely. And uh, it, and just before I move on, like that sort of encapsulates this team, right? This team is just fun to watch right now. Winning is fun. And we're not even talking about we're not even including Curtis Granderson, who's hitting better than all of them. <laughs> who who is also fun? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and also it's not you know swung at a first pitch all year. <laughs> yeah, just to keep it weird. Yeah, so the new acquisitions are working out just fine. Uh, Luke, hashtag we want Vlad at split letters asks you: Am I crazy for thinking this team has a similar quote never out of it unquote vibe to 2015? And who needs trade deadline deals with a certain combo of prospects? A little bit. <laughs> um, that team on paper was way better than this one offensively. Mm -hmm. It had three of the best hitters in baseball batting back to back to back. And Russell Martin was three years younger, but the team has enough power and guys that work the count that I can still understand this idea that, you know, as long as the game is within striking distance, you you're not, Oh God, it's over. Right. Yeah. I think, um, because that season was basically historic from an offensive perspective, you know, like a top 10 offensive season all time. The, it was the greatest offensive season all time compared to the rest of the league. So in order to, in order to get the feeling that you're never out of it, I think you have to do exactly what the Jays have done here. You don't have to be as good as that team because that's unbelievable. You have to be good and you have to score a lot late because that colors people's perceptions of how the team works, right? And this team has done so much late scoring of course you don't feel like they're out of it because they have outs left mm -hmm. there are anyway, it's exciting look like, look like dead fish after the seventh inning and this is oh, the yeah. exact opposite yeah so what do you got next like, last one here this one comes in oh i guess we can read brian A's <laughs> non-question hey guys i don't have a question this week i just want to say that blue jays winning baseball is all right <laughs> You all know what I mean? Yes, Brian, we, we know, we what, you know mean. what you mean. So the real last question from Turf Ferguson at Turferg. Do you think the nickname Lukey Barrels, this is Maley's nickname, was made up by Gibby and no one knew what the hell he was talking about? And then they all laughed so much at how nonsensical it was that it actually stuck and actually worked. And if so, is Gibby a secret genius, possibly nodding sagely? Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was one question. Um, so one first sentence. of all. Is is Turf trying to get on our pod? Turf that name? Ferg at, at Turf Ferg. Anyway, um, nice hat for all of you who are on Twitter. It's a fantastic hat in the profile. I think John Gibbons is a secret genius. End of story. I don't think it, you don't need um, Lukey Barrels, <laughs> which I I hadn't heard yet. Uh, I don't. You need I think that. it's actually Pilar who gave him that. Well. When I was on spring training, Pilar's one who kept calling it, so I don't know, but 
Well, that works too. I think just John Gibbons is doing exactly what a manager needs to do when his team is winning, which is uh, grin knowingly, put his feet up on his desk. That's yeah. what every Africa, winning that, manager should do. That hat you're referring to, that's the Norm MacDonald, Burt Reynolds from the SNL Celebrity Jeopardy sketches way back in the day. That's what I, I, I assumed it was lifted from somewhere, but it is a fantastic hat. Yeah. You, you could hide gift and go pay in that hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to take that. Let's just move on. <laughs> uh, well, that's the end of the questions. So uh, we can move on. We can move on to the do-over. Oops. I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... You know what I wish I could do over again? What? Watching this game on television. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I couldn't do you can't. that. Not today's game. I don't even think, are they even allowed to do Jays in 30 with this game? Probably not. This game was on Facebook, people, for those of you who are maybe not aware of the daft policy of Major League Baseball here. Just Facebook. Yeah. And, okay, first off, the idea behind that, I guess, is to appeal to younger crowds or just to get money from Facebook. I'm not really sure what the deal is behind that. Okay, I have a bone to pick with that, okay? Because there's only two things you can be selling by putting something exclusively somewhere. You can either be selling the game, or you could be selling Facebook. I don't know which one you're selling here, but I cannot conceive of anyone who said to themselves when they woke up this morning, well, I'd really like to partake in a baseball game, but the only interaction with any kind of media I have that could possibly provide that is Facebook. I hope the game's on there. And there's nobody who woke up this morning who said, I'm, I'm really, really interested in Facebook as an idea, and I've heard of it. But I think the only way I could really experience it is if I could watch baseball on it. Nobody did either of those things. Ergo, there's no reason for an exclusively Facebook game. It doesn't serve any audience, I can imagine. Yeah, so baseball signed this deal with them. They get one game a week. And I guess the thinking behind that was a lot of these teams, you know, their regional numbers are not that good, right? So it's just getting a little extra revenue stream in. Facebook gets all the data that they can steal. Uh. But for the Blue Jays, this was a disaster. I mean, the Blue Jays average approximately 500,000 viewers a game. The peak at this, and that's the 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 average at any given point. The peaks are always much higher. The peak on this game was about seventy three thousand people. You can't see me shaking my head, but I am shaking my head. Yeah. So the, just the general idea to begin with was bad. It eliminated a whole bunch of the old generation from being able to watch it, and especially like if you got people who are going to be home during the day, it's a day game to watch a baseball game. A lot of them are people who are retired and they can't watch the game because they don't use Facebook. Certainly not for video. Right. Yeah, they might use it to scroll on, but not to watch, sit down and watch a whole baseball game. They don't have Chromecast. And then on top of that, it's some weird Facebook commentator on the broadcast. It's not a, the professional broadcast team that any of the t regular teams are used to. Yeah. And, and just before we get into the actual broadcasters who, my God, but... <laughs> The, the, the style of the broadcast was to the point where people's Instagram comments and, and quotes would pop into the video 
even if you did the quiet mode where you can't see the constant streaming of con comments, which was just so distracting, they would pop into the thing. I don't care what some random fan is saying. If I want to do that, I would go on Twitter. I mean, I do do that, so I guess I do care. But No, th those people on Twitter are not random fans. That's the thing that people who run social media don't seem to understand about social media. Those people on my Twitter feed and the people on my own Facebook group are people I picked. Yeah. <laughs> Not That's true. Random. Like, if I wanted random people in the crowd, I would bring one of those Whisper 2000s into the ballpark and point it around at various people while the game was going on. Yeah. But anyway, so these random, as you very much pointed out, comments are popping in. And the game broadcast asked for them. They asked fans to take a selfie of themselves watching the game on Facebook and then put it on Instagram with a branded hashtag. It's just like, what are we doing? It didn't have anything to do with baseball. So It's just like, how hard are they trying to do to appeal to millennials? They seem like like the person who, who just like doesn't understand. And it's like, well, these, these things are popular. Let's do that. <laughs> put them all together. Just, yeah. just smush them until it works. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's and then not. there were a lot of people were having streaming problems because the feed wasn't that good. I actually didn't have that problem, but they had to lower their, be it far below what they would have to stream with on MLB TV because MLB TV is used to this and knows how to do it right. Have we said a nice thing yet? No, we haven't. No, we're not going to say nice things about nothing. it. Okay, no, I will. I'll say one nice thing about it. Between innings, they didn't go to stupid commercials like the MLB TV was where just loops the same quotes over and over again. Mm. But they also had to talk through it. So it was a kind of a give and take. But they did uh, a manager interview in between innings as opposed to during the game. I liked that. And that makes sense to me. But that doesn't, you don't have to do that on Facebook, right? There's Well, the difference is if you're not doing it on Facebook, there's going to be commercials. But the... Even on the radio broadcast, that's a choice that the broadcaster is making because there was a time when I'm assuming the sponsorship wasn't that good or whatever. But during pitching changes, um, they would repackage pregame interview clips or other interview clips that they had on board. And that's what they play during a pitching change in, after mentioning sponsorship instead of playing the commercial over the pitching change. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to do that on TV, you could do that on TV. But they don't. They want the money. But anyway, yeah. but. On the actual broadcast itself, they were terrible. Cliff Floyd was actually okay, but he was the third guy in the booth and very clearly the third guy in the booth. It was Jeremy Guthrie, and I don't know who the announcer was. Jeremy Guthrie at one point said it's 100, minus 100 every day, every day in Toronto. He doesn't know how there's never been ice storms. Jeremy Guthrie played in the ALE East. He knows that Toronto's really nice in the summer. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know. Like, And they referred to the pitch the mound visits as timeouts. No. That's the one word you should never, ever hear in a baseball game. There's no clock with seconds. There's no timeouts. Uh, why? Like uh, like I said, I don't see any point. I don't see anything that this is going to grow for anybody, the game. So what the heck was the point? And it's going to happen yeah, so, every week to some poor pair of teams that their local oh, fans are going to not be able to watch anywhere but Facebook. Jays get another one, too. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. So no one, nobody's happy about this, which is kind of the summation of it all. So the do-over would be, you can have all the Facebook games you want. Just don't make them Facebook exclusive. Huh. Funny how simple that is. <laughs> it's crazy, I know.
Oh, we have rolled through an impressively long strain of thought here for a week in which we had no interview because it's, we're feeling good. I think that's what it is. We just mm-hmm. want to talk about the good things. So as this is your opportunity to talk about one more good thing if you have a final thought. I think I've used up a lot of thoughts in the rest of this podcast. <laughs> I guess my final thought is that it, everything we thought we knew about the strengths of this team are in the early going wrong. The hitting has been carrying it. The bullpen has been carrying it. And the starting rotation, the, I'm including Biagini as the starter, of the seven worst ERAs on this team, it's the six starters and Aaron Loop. So, and then the reason I'm mentioning that is because the starters have been better than their ERAs have shown, except for Stroman, and he should be better. So the upside for this team is a lot better than it looked two weeks ago, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, this, the, uh, the, everything is going to kind of shuffle around, offense and pitching-wise and everything else. Um, I, I, think, I think it's going to help this team, though, when it does slow down, that they're actually going to have a period of time to look back to and go, no, no, we, we're good. We, we can put it all together. We can come back from a deficit. We can walk off. We can hit home runs. We, we can do all these things. Maybe we didn't do them this week. Maybe we had a bad week, but next week we can get back to what we were doing before. And I think mentally the 2017 team was never able to look back at a period of time and say, oh, we did it. This is when we did it. Um, And I think that, again, if you believe in anything about chemistry, although it's difficult to measure, I'm sure that that cannot hurt. Yeah. All right. Well, here's to the very short, very productive week. Um, and that is to say that you were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this was Artificial Turf Wars, episode 97, and we'll talk at you next week.